Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. We are still going to say that this morning, so I hope yesterday you had a great day with family, friends, and loved ones. Probably, if you have young children, maybe you were up before the sun uh, yesterday. I remember when my sister and I were, were young and we would get up early on Christmas morning and about 10 o'clock that morning, mom would say, I'm, I'm going to just lay down for about 20 minutes, okay? And I'll, I'll circle back around and I thought, well, who would ever want to take a nap on Christmas Day? You know, that's like the 11th commandment, I think, you know? Can't do that. Uh, so, but uh, having become a parent, I recognize that from, from years ago. But hopefully it was a day with lots of lasting memories. Thank you for being here today. Today is a different kind of Sunday for our church. Uh, Pastor Chris is visiting family in Arkansas, and Devin is doing the same in Arizona, and Pastor Jay is still recovering from a, a recent illness. He's doing well and headed the right direction and expected back in January. And um, don't don't tell those guys, but I kind of miss them, okay? All right, that's between you and I. And I miss Jay the most, okay? All right, I miss Jay the most. We're not streaming, are we? Okay, that may not be good for job security, will it? Okay, can we edit that out? Um, but no, I will welcome uh, all of them back uh, later on this week. Uh, it's also a different Sunday because we are not having Sunday school for youth uh, or for children. Our classes are not uh, meeting today. Our teachers, I think, deserve a, well, a well-deserved Sunday off. Um, they are here 51 other Sundays of the year, and so we are really thankful uh, for our teachers. They are faithful on Sunday morning, and they are faithful on Sunday afternoon with choir, and then Wednesday night uh, for Awana. So we are we are more than willing to let them have uh, this Sunday off. Would you join me in thanking our teachers um, who serve faithfully each week? <clears throat> well, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Chris preached on how Christianity spread in Corinth, an unexpected place using unexpected people. And I'd like to continue that theme this morning from a familiar Old Testament passage. We're going to look at 2 Kings 5 and the story of Naaman. And it's a passage that we like to share in children's classes because the story has a lot of twists and turns, lots of things kids can relate to, and lots of unexpected things that happen in this passage. Uh, so this morning I'd like to look at three unexpected things that happen in this story. And if we look carefully at 2 Kings 5, I think there are similarities to the Christmas story as well. So as we go through the passage this morning, see if some of those similarities become apparent to you as well. Again, we'll be looking at these three unexpected things from 2 Kings 5. As you're able, please stand and we'll read the passage together this morning. <clears throat> Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. 
Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in, told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Verse 7, And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy. Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots, and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry, and went away, saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand, and call upon the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and cure the leper. Are not Arbana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for this time of year when we pause from our normal schedules, have the opportunity to celebrate the birth of your Son. Lord, thank you for the new ways you reveal yourself every time we open your word. Guide our words and thoughts this morning, and we commit this time unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we first shared this passage in some of our kids' classes, it was a little bit difficult to get the children to think of things that happened in their lives that were unexpected. Kids don't like to admit anything surprises them. But over the last two years, because of COVID, this, this hasn't been a problem, obviously. Kids and all of us can think of examples of unexpected things that have happened in our lives. And that's why I find this passage, this story, so encouraging. We're able to see God's hand in three unexpected things that happened. And the first thing that's unexpected in our passage is an unexpected source. An unexpected source of information, an unexpected source of hope, to be exact. And the unexpected source is this young girl from Israel, as our text describes And to understand this young girl's role in our story, we have to first meet Naaman. And we're introduced to Naaman right out of the gate 
in 2 Kings 5, and he's described, as you can see, very favorably. And what are we told about him? Well, first, he's a commander of the army of the king of Aram, or Syria. He's described as a great man in the sight of his master, that's the king, and he's highly, highly regarded. And why is that? Well, because he's been victorious. He's had a very prestigious military career with lots of success and lots of victory. In fact, verse 1 lets us know that through Naaman, the Lord had given victory to Syria. We're told he's a valiant soldier. So he's got a lot going for him, except for one thing. And the end of verse 1 tells us that one thing. It's something that completely changes the course of the entire story because Naaman has leprosy. Despite all his success, all his accolades, he can't escape the fact that he's a leper. How severe? Well, we're not sure. And if you look at the footnotes at the bottom of your Bible, it mentions that the Hebrew word for leprosy was used to describe multiple diseases affecting the skin. But the important thing to remember here is that Naaman did have some form of leprosy. It was affecting his life, and he wanted to get rid of it. And in verse 2, our story takes an interesting twist. And we're introduced to that first thing that's unexpected in 2 Kings 5. We read about a young girl. We're not even given her name. But she had been taken captive from Israel during one of Syria's raids. And now she served Naaman's wife. And she does something quite courageous. Maybe we could even say remarkable. She's obviously aware of Naaman's condition. But instead of staying quiet, she speaks up. It would have been easy to remain quiet. She doesn't have great standing in this house, but she speaks up. And by doing so, she becomes an unexpected source of information and hope for Naaman and his wife. And you'll see that she tells Naaman's wife that he should go see Elisha because Elisha could cure her husband of his leprosy. And though young, And again, we're not sure her name or her age. This unnamed girl, she was very aware of Elisha. She knew Elisha was a man of God and that God could use Elisha for healing. And yes, it may have been easier for her to remain quiet because she's a servant girl and how much standing does she have, but she doesn't. She provides Naaman's wife valuable information, life-changing information. This servant girl is an unexpected source of hope. We listen to kids recite Bible verses on Wednesday night during Awana. Uh, Many of you help us with that on Wednesday evening as well. I think most of our leaders would tell you that it's probably the best part of our Wednesday night, best part of Awana, is listening to kids share Scripture. But we don't just want to check a box in their book saying they cranked out a verse. The goal is to help them understand what the verse means and how it might apply to their young lives. And what always surprises me is how much I learn and how much we as leaders learn from children when they recite Bible verses. Because as you listen to kids share the verses, and sometimes it's three or four kids in your group, sometimes it's a larger group, but you're hearing the same verse over and over again, and you can't help but learn the verse 
yourself. And I'll be honest, many of the verses that the kids are sharing, and they have a new verse each week, and then they have to recite verses from previous weeks as well. Many of those verses, I don't know. Okay, I'm familiar with them. I think our leaders are familiar with them, but I haven't committed them to memory. And listening to these kids helps me, helps us adults. They become sources of information. Okay, they become sources of hope. Okay, a lot of times we think, oh, we're here to help the kids. We're here to serve the kids. They're going to learn from us. And yes, yes, that's true. But you know what? We learn from them as well. They are sources of encouragement for us to learn Scripture. Similarly, in the birth of Jesus, the shepherds, the lowly shepherds, were an unexpected source of information following their visit from the angel in Luke 2. These lowly shepherds were given some incredible news. A Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And it's a group of shepherds who now know this incredible news. And what do they do with it? Luke 2.15 tells us they went to Bethlehem. They saw Mary, Joseph, the baby Jesus. And Luke 2.17 tells us what happened next. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds spread this good news, didn't they? They were an unexpected source of information, and yet they shared it. Perhaps you've had people in your life who were unexpected sources, unexpected sources of information, hope, encouragement, somebody who encouraged you, somebody who shared something about their walk with the Lord that was meaningful to you. Maybe it was a parent, a sibling, a teacher, a coach, a neighbor, a relative. Let's be thankful for those people today. The holidays are a great time of year to stop and remember them. Maybe some are visiting you this Christmas. And there's also probably many times that you've been an unexpected source of hope and encouragement to someone without even realizing it. Let's move on to our second unexpected thing in this passage. It's verses 4 through 7, and it's an unexpected request. We're told that Naaman goes to the king of Syria, and he tells him, and this is still remarkable, he tells him what the servant girl had told his wife. And the king's response is, well, by all means go, is how the NIV describes it. By all means go. And not only is Naaman encouraged to go see Elisha at this point, but Syria's king will send a letter to Israel's king. So Naaman heads out not only with the letter, but also with gifts. And the text tells us the gifts he brought were ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Gifts worth quite a bit of money. But I think the most interesting parts of this trip is what's contained in the letter. Okay, What's contained in the letter to Israel's king. It's an unexpected request in this letter. Israel's king, Israel's king opens the letter and receives a pretty big surprise. Verse 6 says, With this letter, I, 
the king of Syria, am sending my servant Naaman to you, in other words, to the king of Israel, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Did you catch that? Israel's king is expected to heal Naaman of his leprosy. Israel's king was supposed to perform a miracle. And what is the king's response? Verse 7 tells us he tore his clothes or his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? Israel's king, understandably so, thinks the letter is a way of starting some trouble. It's an unexpected request. It's an unreasonable request, and it's one that might lead to fighting. When I was growing up, my dad ran an auto body shop. That's how he made his living. And from time to time, someone would come in and say, we'd like to have our car repaired, but we don't have the money to, to pay for it. And so my dad and the customer would do some bartering. Okay, what can you give me? How can we work this out? Um, how is this scenario going to play out? So as a result, from time to time, my dad would come home with some interesting items, okay, from work, all right? For example, one time he brought home an electric guitar, a big, red, bright electric guitar. It looked really nice. It looked nice sitting in the family room. Problem is nobody could play it, okay? So it wasn't real productive. It wasn't probably the best scenario um, that he could have arranged. Also, one day he brought home a dog, okay? He brought home a dog, and I remember my parents shut the door and had a little discussion, you know, in their room. <laughs> you know, and it got a little bit loud. Um, so he brought home a dog. Now, that dog came when I was in kindergarten, and she lived all the way until I went away to college. So I think that was a pretty good arrangement, and I think my mom would even agree with that uh, today. Um, also, one time, my dad brought home, and I thought this was just the best, he brought home a pair of Washington Redskins football tickets, the Washington football team, football tickets, a pair of tickets for the entire season. Now this is when they were good, okay? This is when they were relevant, all right, and actually won some games, okay? And so we got football tickets for, for one season, and I remember telling my mom or asking her, uh, the following summer, I wonder if Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so wrecked their car again, you know? And she said, we don't really need to think along those lines, okay? But it was fun to have those tickets uh, for one year. You see, these were all unexpected requests that my dad got. Can you fix our car and we'll give this to you because we can't pay it? Unexpected requests. My dad was expecting a check or a credit card for repairing somebody's car. Instead, uh, he was asked to take electric guitars and dogs and football tickets, uh, among other things, in order for the work to be done. A similar unexpected request occurs in Matthew 2. Pastor Chris preached from here last Sunday when he talked about the three responses to Christmas. And the unexpected request comes from the wise men who ask King Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come now to worship him. Again, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come now to worship him. And how does, ha how does Herod handle this request? 
Matthew 2.3 tells us, well, he was disturbed. He tells the wise men to find the child, report back to him so that he could also worship the child. Of course, he had no intention of doing this. And verse 12 tells us these wise men did not go back to Herod after seeing Jesus. They went home using another route. I'm sure if we went around the worship center this morning, we would hear lots of examples of unexpected requests that each of you have had. Uh, Because of COVID, obviously, almost two years in, some of you have been asked by your employer to do your job a completely different way. Okay, Some of you are doing it all through the computer, all through the internet. Teachers have been asked to teach lessons and give tests and do their teaching online and provide videos and upload them, things that we never would have thought of uh, years and years ago. Some of you have liked this change. Others have struggled uh, with it. Some of you are grandparents, and you've long since finished raising your children, but yet some of you have been asked now to raise grandchildren, okay? And you weren't expecting that. But you've done it, and you've done your best, and you've brought them uh, here to church, and they are part of our children's ministry. And we are thankful for those grandparents who are raising grandchildren in our youth and children's ministry. And we want to support them any way we can. Some of you have been asked to serve in a particular ministry, maybe within our church, serve in a particular class. And it's a class and it's a ministry that you never would have thought to volunteer for, but you've tried it because the need was there and your help was needed. I'm not saying it's always worked out. I'm not saying it's always been smooth, but you've been faithful in serving in those areas. Some of our unexpected requests are large. Some of them are small. But when we step back and allow some time to go by, perhaps we see God's hand and these unexpected requests. And this brings us to our final point this morning, an unexpected answer. And this is where things really get interesting. In verses 8 through 14, Elisha, Elisha the prophet, enters the picture. He's described as the man of God, and Elisha gets word to the king and tells him to send Naaman his way. Elisha is about to give Naaman an answer for his leprosy problem, but it's an unexpected answer. Verse 9 tells us that Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. It's probably a lot of commotion. It's not like Naaman is sneaking up on Elisha. He knows he's there. And in addition to the horses and chariots, verse 13 tells us that Naaman also brought along his servants. And if we didn't already know the story, what would we expect to happen now? We'd probably expect Elisha to come outside, introduce himself to Naaman, maybe have a lengthy conversation, find out what's going on, ask what's the problem, how can I help? But remember, this is Elisha, a man of God, a prophet. Just one chapter earlier in 2 Kings 4, We read about the miracle of the widow's oil and the Shunammite woman's son who was brought back to life. And Elisha was involved in these miracles. 
Elisha already knows what's happening in this scenario. The Lord has already spoken to him. There wasn't any need for face-to-face interaction. And verse 10 says that Elisha sent a messenger to Naaman with these instructions. Go wash yourself or dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. And this is a totally unexpected answer from what Naaman thought was going to happen. Not only does Elisha not come out and see him, but the method for healing was also not what Naaman had anticipated. Washing or dipping seven times in the Jordan rather than in the rivers of Damascus, not what Naaman wanted to do. And verse 11 tells us his reaction. It says he went away angry. Verse 12 says he went away in a rage. It's probably a similar reaction that each of us might have had if we were in his shoes. I thought he, Elisha, Naaman was saying, would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. And just as the servant girl from Israel showed courage by speaking up, we probably need to give Naaman's servants credit here. No names are given, but they speak up. They say something to him. They reason with Naaman, basically saying, hey, hey, if Elisha had told you to do some great thing to be healed, wouldn't you have done it? And the answer is yes, you probably would have. And they tell Naaman, all you have to do now is dip yourself seven times, seven times in the Jordan. Maybe, maybe you want to consider doing that. Well, Naaman listens to their reasoning and follows Elisha's instructions. And verse 14 tells us the result. The ESV version of Scripture says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. The New International Version says Naaman became clean like that of a young boy. And this brings us back to Christmas and Jesus, who was also an unexpected answer. Not because his birth wasn't foretold, but the manner of his coming is probably not the way you or I would have the story unfold. Born to a young woman in less than ideal conditions, placed in a manger, visited by lowly shepherds of all people, moved by Joseph to Egypt to avoid being killed by King Herod. Not the greatest start in the world for God's Son. Yes, the manner the manner of Jesus' coming may have been unexpected, but he fulfilled perfectly the purpose of his coming. In our passage today, we have seen an unexpected source, an unexpected request, and an unexpected answer. And maybe it's reminded each of us of those unexpected things that have happened in our own life. Again, some of them encouraging, some of them, if we're honest, discouraging. But as we look ahead to a new year in just a few days, let's be open to God working in unexpected ways in our lives. And if the thought of even allowing God to work in your life is something you've never considered, 
we would be happy to visit with you about what a relationship with God looks like and why this coming of Jesus that we've celebrated in recent days is the most important event in our world. We would be happy to visit with you about a relationship with this Christ child. And if you're interested in finding out more about Vista Grande Baptist Church, we have some folks that are available right outside the sanctuary doors as well to talk to you as well. Would you join me in prayer now as we close?